0: Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Boutosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. One word from God. We used to say that a lot. That was one of our our little catchphrases. One word from God can change your life forever. Y'all ever heard that before? One word. That's all he needs. Some of us got to say a mouthful to get stuff done, don't we? Tell your kids a thousand times. Tell your husband a a hundred times. But God just needs one word. He can get it done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wasn't last week awesome? Awesome. It was, and if you, if you weren't here and you're like, well, it was awesome for me, but you might be talking about something different. We had an awesome time in the house of God last week. Saw 10 people filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time. <laughs> speaking with other tongues. And um, I don't know. I, I just feel there is such an urgency right now I think the enemy's gonna greatly regret what he did last year. I think he's gonna greatly, I'm gonna make him regret what he did last year. How about that? I'm gonna make sure, I'm gonna make sure he pays for what he brought last year because every life and every soul, uh, every believer that was awakened last year, you know, see, see, challenge and trial uh, might have a negative side, but it's got a positive side to it. The positive side is it shows you what really matters. It shows you what you really got. It proves to you what has been there the whole time. And, um, you know, for those of us that rose to the challenge and, and uh, said, you know what, we're not going out like this, um, and you dug your heels in the ground even more, amen? Um. We get to make the enemy pay when he tries to bring uh, trial and tribulation to our lives. You know, the, the storm came to the house of the one that was built on the solid rock just as hard as it came to the one that was built on the, the sandy foundation, right? The shaky foundation. The storms come. No weapon formed against you will prosper, but it doesn't say it won't be formed. So it's about our response. It's about, do you have the ability and the persuasion and the confidence to respond in the face of what the enemy tries to throw at you? Well, one of the the responses that I've noticed, not just in our church but in Church Universal, is, is a desire for the Holy Spirit and a coming back to the things of the Spirit. Um, and I'm not going to bore you with history and 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 you know dig all into traditions and all that. But back in the '60s and '70s, before my time, uh, there was a, a, an opportunity that came to the church in the in the form of the Charismatic Renewal. And in the Charismatic Renewal, there was an emphasis and a strengthening of the move of the spirit of God flowing with the spirit of God and being led by the spirit of God. And, and and this came on through, through the sixties and the seventies and the eighties and nineties. We, we began to teach a lot. We found that we needed some foundation. We found that we needed some teaching that there were moves of the spirit of God. And there was a flowing of the spirit of God and in services and revival meetings and even in churches. Um, But, there was a need for a strong base, for a strong foundation. And so the teaching of the word of God began to come about and be emphasized in the 80s and the 90s. And then, you know, we got into the 2000s and we got into this idea. uh, uh, Somehow this crept into the church that if we allow or uh, tolerate moves of the spirit of God, um, then we're going to lose a crowd, not gain a crowd. And that uh, there are people that don't understand what's taking place. And so we need to limit. um, For some, they eliminated the Holy Spirit altogether in their services. Um, I know this to be a fact. I'm not saying this because I'm attacking anybody or because, uh, you know, I'm just calling somebody out. I know it to be absolutely true that churches that were Spirit-filled and Spirit-empowered began to feel a pressure from the outside that said that if you allow these things to continue to move, speaking in other tongues, moves of the Spirit, you know, healings and things of that nature, if those things take place in your church services, um, then you're not going to be able to draw people into your houses of worship. And so we began to have this emphasis of, well, what do people really want? What do people want? We stopped asking. What does God want? The last time I checked, and this might, this might, this might go against your traditional religious thinking, but that's okay. Um, the last time I checked, we didn't build the church for you. I'm just being honest. I want you to come, have a good time, hear a good word, have a good time of fellowship, and your kids get ministered to, and you get ministered But last time I checked, we were building this thing for God. I'm I'm not asking people's permission of what we can do in the house of God. This is his house. God, what do you want to do today? Spirit, what do you want to do today? I want to yield to that. Well, you know, as a result of, of watering down and compromising a few few things and, and abandoning some of what we would have identified as non-negotiables, uh, you know, we began to gain crowds, fill up seats. Um, we, we, we had great production. Um, a lot of these churches hired their worship teams, so they didn't even care if they were even saved believers. Uh, um, and again, I'm not... Talking off of what you, what I think is happening, I'm talking about what I know happened. Well, we got to put the best musicians possible on the stage because people don't want to come and, and hear just you know people that are figuring it out. Forget about the anointing. Do you have talent? And so we we elevated talent above anointing. And I'll pay a musician to come and just show up, play your instrument. I don't care if you leave. I don't care if you stay. I don't care what your lifestyle is like. I don't care if you were in the bar the night before playing there. Just come, just come show up. Give us a good little worship service to attract people and, and, and make people feel like they've gotten something good. Well, as a result of that, we, we weren't building Christians we we were making converts, maybe, maybe, at best, making converts, but we weren't making disciples, and the Great Commission says to make disciples of all nations, to go into all the world preaching and teaching, and so, you know, those of us that remained with the Spirit of God, and those of us that remained uh, and, and didn't compromise and didn't water down and, 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 and didn't you know, withdraw from what we expected God to do in our services, regardless of what attracted people or not. Uh, You know, maybe we didn't see the exponential development and the exponential numbers naturally, so to speak. And I also want to give this too, just because the church is large, doesn't mean they're not following the Spirit of God. I'm not talking about size, I'm not emphasizing that at all, I'm just saying that many compromise the Spirit of God to get numbers because the Spirit of God knows how to get numbers. I said the Spirit of God knows how to, 3,000 people came into the kingdom the very first day of Pentecost. But you know what else came with the day of Pentecost? Mocking. You know, what was the first thing the outsider said about people speaking in tongues? Do y'all remember what they said? They look like they are drunk. That's mockery. The Holy Spirit's been mocked and mimicked uh, since his inception, okay, in the church. He's used to it. Maybe church people couldn't handle it, but the Holy Spirit can handle it. You call it what you want, but this is real. You can, you can say, I look like I'm drunk. I will look like a fool. I, look like, I don't care. I'll dance if he tells me to dance. I'll shout if he tells me to shout. I'll speak. <laughs> not. I'm not talking to you anyways. <laughs> now, if I'm talking to you, then guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to bring an interpretation. I'm not talking to you. You don't need to know what I'm saying. That, I, I, had, I had a real encounter with that, with, an, with, with uh, an individual that was speaking in Spanish. And he was having a conversation with someone else. But I was in the vicinity. I could hear him. And, you know, you have that thought. What, what are they talking about? What's he saying? And on the inside, it was probably just me. I'm not saying it was the Holy Spirit, but it was on the inside said, he ain't talking to you. It don't matter what he's talking about. (laughs) Now, if he walks over here and starts talking to me in gibberish, I'm going to need to know some stuff. Get a translator. Get an interpreter. Somebody's got to get something right now. I don't have a clue what you're saying. You could be pointing me to the bathroom. I have no idea what you're telling me to do. Hello. But... It's the Spirit of God that develops and builds a believer. It's the Spirit of God that develops and builds a believer. And so last week, you know, we touched on The three ways that the Holy Spirit operates in the life of a believer, we touched on first, got to be born of the Spirit. When you are saved, you know that you, you didn't get saved on your own. You got saved because the Holy Spirit drew you, compelled you to the love of God and to who God is, who your Father is, to your destiny and to your purpose. The Holy Spirit's been involved in the process from the very beginning. And then we saw that the Holy Spirit wants to fill you. Come upon you and do you with power and gifts for service and for ministry. He wants to embolden you uh, so that you can be a proper witness for Jesus Christ. We saw that he wants to even change your language, give you a heavenly prayer language that now you don't have to pray uh, as you ought to or as you know you can in the natural, but now I can tap over into the Spirit of God and I can pray as the Holy Spirit prays through me. And you know what? The Holy Spirit always prays the perfect prayer. He never misses it. He never misses it. And so when I'm praying in the Spirit, man, I can know. Even though I might, my mind might not be fruitful, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, my knowledge might not be fruitful, I'm praying out the oracles of God. I'm praying out in the Spirit, and He's praying through me. Why? Because God's still looking for flesh, men and women vessels in the earth to operate and move through. We've told you from day one, God's not doing anything in this earth without using you and I. And let me give you one more point. The Holy Spirit has no access into this earth without a vehicle, a flesh suit. Wow, you mean the Holy Spirit can't just come down here and do whatever he wants? No. What does Genesis 1 verse 26 say? And God made man in his image and in his likeness, and he said, let them, say it with me, let them let them who's them man a spirit possessing a soul living in a body well guess what the holy spirit does not possess a body he doesn't qualify he doesn't qualify for genesis 126 he can't just come down here and do whatever he wants to do not legally He's got to use a body. Well, what about demons? What, are they, what does a demon attach itself to? A body. A person. Because that's, that's how God ordained it. This isn't weird stuff. This is how God built this thing. This is how God designed this thing to operate. So the Holy Spirit is saying, where is a yielded vessel that I can come uh, and, and, and make new, new creature in Christ, old's gone, new has come, Because his spirit can't dwell in a sinful body. It's got to be a sinless, sin removed. You have been redeemed. You've been restored. Sin got out so the spirit could go in. I need a yielded vessel that I can work through. And then I want to come upon that vessel to do the work of the kingdom of God. We said this last week that the Holy Spirit is the executor of the kingdom. He's the one executing the work and the ministry of the kingdom, but he needs a vessel. He needs you and I to yield ourselves to him. The Holy Spirit will not control you. The Holy Spirit is not like a demon. He doesn't possess you. He doesn't just take over. You have to yield yourself to him. You have to give yourself to him. Amen. And so we saw that the Holy Spirit first comes into your life at salvation and makes you a new creature and then introduces you to the the nature of the kingdom of God. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Fruits of the Spirit. You cannot produce fruits of the Spirit if you are not born of the Spirit. Well, I've seen nice people that aren't Christians. I didn't say be nice. I said produce the fruit of the Spirit. Produce the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot produce fruit of the Spirit if you are not born of the Spirit. And then he wants to take you a step further. He wants to fill you and do you with power, come upon you, empower you and embolden you for the work of the kingdom. We talked about that last week and why being filled with the Spirit is so important. Jesus had the Spirit come upon him. The apostles had the Spirit come upon them. Men of old in the Old Testament had the Spirit come upon them to do the work of the ministry. It's, you will not do the work of the ministry without the Holy Spirit upon you. You will not. You will not. You cannot. You cannot do spiritual work on natural resources. You cannot do spiritual work on natural resources. The things of the kingdom are not naturally possible. They are spiritually possible. But I want to get into the third way the the Holy Spirit operates in our lives. And I just mentioned it at the end of our service last week because I knew I was going to go here and expound further. I wanted my emphasis last week to be on being born of the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit, and we accomplished both of those in our service. And if you didn't respond last week, you'll have an opportunity to respond today because we want people born of the Spirit and filled with the Spirit every single service. Every single time, you should have an opportunity to receive that. Amen. Glory to God. We're going to talk about being led, being led by the Spirit. I think it was Kenneth E. Hagin that said this, the greatest need in the earth in the last days are men and women led by the Spirit of God. I believe that is attributed to him. The greatest need in the earth in the last days Are men and women led by the Spirit of God? I'm going to tell you right now, if we learn to follow the Holy Spirit and be led by the Holy Spirit, it will get us out of about 99.9% of our issues. (laughs) I'll leave the 0.1% because there's some things you just do to yourself and the Holy Spirit and the devil's not even doing it. It's just you. <laughs> you, you, just, just stop being dumb. <laughs> just, just stop. You, you know, sometimes the the enemy's just sitting back, like I didn't even have to do nothing. You're, too, you're doing my work for me. You're doing a better job than I ever could. We're all laughing and then we hang our heads, like, oh yeah, I did that this morning. <laughs> But being led by the Spirit of God, I'm telling you, that's the way every believer ought to live. See, in the Bible, people didn't just tolerate the Holy Spirit. They depended on the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, people didn't just tolerate the Holy Spirit. We'll just give you your little corner, your little space. No, they depended. They relied upon. It was every entity of your life needs you to be led by the Spirit of God. Every entity, your finances, your marriage, your job, your work, uh, uh, your parenting, your your relationships, your mind, uh, your habits, everything that you do in life requires you, needs you to be led by the Spirit of God. And every believer can be led by the Spirit of Every believer can be led by this. Isn't that amazing? Every single one of us. I heard someone say one time, they said, you know, when we all get to heaven, we're going we're to ask David, what was it like to kill a giant? We're going to ask Moses, what was it like to part the waters of the Red Sea? We're going to ask, we're, we're gonna ask uh, Paul, you know, what was it like? I'm going to ask Peter, what was it like to, to walk with Jesus? And you know what their response to us is going to be? What was it like to have the Holy Spirit actually live inside you and come upon you? (laughs) Isn't that amazing? David did not have what you have. Moses did not have what you have. Saul did not have what you have. Hello? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Deborah, Samson, Gideon. They did not have what you and I have access to Right now, heaven is populated with people discovering what they could have had on earth. I don't know about you. I don't want to get to heaven and find out what I could have done. Find out that I wasted all my time on earth dreaming about heaven when I could have been bringing it the whole time. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's a sad day to find out that you finally get to a place and think you've achieved something only to find out you had it all along. Isn't that horrible? I don't want to live that way. Heaven is populated with people that are just now discovering everything they had access to on the earth. That's, That's powerful how do I get access? By the Holy Spirit? By the Holy Spirit? Yeah. See, if we leave out the Holy Spirit, you'll miss the kingdom altogether. You'll just miss it altogether. We cannot leave out the Holy Spirit. Why did so many people suffer and struggle like they did last year? They didn't rely on the Holy Spirit. They relied on their own resources. They relied on their own abilities. They relied on their own relationships. The Holy Spirit doesn't, having the Holy Spirit doesn't mean it won't come. It means I can respond to it in a kingdom way, not in a natural way. See, when you have the Holy Spirit and you are led by the Holy Spirit, you're not limited, you have all of heaven available to you. One reason I believe our church thrived and did so well and and came out the way that we did in December of last year is because in January of last year, by the Holy Spirit, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we said that we're going to take the first Wednesday of every month and we're going to dedicate it to a refresh night. We're going to have an opportunity where we just come and get refreshed by the Spirit of God. Not going to come in with an agenda. Holy Spirit, you, you take, you lead, you guide, we're yielding to you, whatever you want to say. And, and, and the goal was for re-strengthening, refreshing, renewing, restoring. That was the goal. Now, we all need to be refreshed all the time. You know, it's interesting in Ephesians chapter 4, it says uh, that the disciples were all in one accord and they began to pray, and it said the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that's two chapters after Acts chapter 2. We all know what happened in Acts chapter 2. It's the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. What do you mean they were filled again? Did some of them miss it the first time, and so they got, this, they got, got to get in on the second round? No. Being filled with the Holy Spirit ought to be continual in our lives. Constantly. I need the Holy Spirit to fill me up all the time. I could come in here, get filled, get refreshed, and go back out there and see everything that you encounter out there, it pulls on you and it drains on you and it takes from you. And it ought to. Look, if the world is not pulling on you, then that means you don't have anything to give. But when you walk back out there, everything that's being put in you here should get pulled on out there. The put in takes here, takes place here, and the pull out takes place out there. I'm getting filled up so I can give it away, not so I can just get fat and sit back and say, oh, look at all that I got. Look at all, oh, don't you remember when the Holy Spirit moved back in those 60s and 70s? Wasn't it just amazing? Oh, if the one day if we could just get back. No, you could be getting filled every day of your life, and you don't need a worship team. You don't need a, a gift of the Spirit. You, you can get a gift of the Spirit in your own car. You can get a word of knowledge in your own car. You can get a working of miracles in Target. Yes, you can. Working a miracles wasn't designed to work just in churches. It's designed to work in the church. Wherever the church goes, it ought to be working. You are the church. And so the Holy Spirit ought to be filling us up. Well, because we're doing those refresh nights, I mean, no wonder. No wonder. We're, 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 we're just, I mean, people were talking about it, right? A new normal need we just went back to normal. I said, we just went back to normal. And we responded by the spirit, not by our natural abilities. Look, here's the thing. If you aren't led by the spirit, you will create substitutes. If you do not live a life led by the Spirit of God, you will find something to follow. Everybody's following something. Even when you say, I'm doing what I want to do, you're following what you want to do. You're following your own desires. You're always following something. So since we are all needing someone to take the lead, why not just let the Holy Spirit lead? Why not just let the one that knows the end from the beginning, he knows everything about you. The Bible even says that uh, who knows the mind of God but the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit knows everything about God and he wants to reveal it to you. He wants to clue you in on everything God knows. Absolutely he does. And he lives inside you. He lives right inside of you. You're born of the spirit. You're filled with the Spirit. We ought to be led by the Spirit. I want to give you three ways that the Holy Spirit guides the believer. Three ways the Holy Spirit guides the believer. Man, we we just, we cannot overestimate the value of being led by the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit guides us into righteousness. The Holy Spirit guides us into righteousness. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. This is actually where the fruit of the Spirit is found. But I want to back up to verse 16 in Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says it this way. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That word let is important because that means he's not just going to come in and take control. You have to give him access. You have to let him. You have to yield yourself to him. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Look look what he says then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Right there, we can end all the conversations. Oh, I want to stop doing it, but I just can't. I just It's so strong. It's so, No, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Now, whichever one you feed gets stronger. So if you feed the, the side of yourself that follows the flesh, And your own desires, well, guess what? You can want to follow the Holy Spirit all you want, but you're not empowering yourself to do so. So you have to to starve the flesh. You have to starve it. Get it out of the environment where it is more apt to yield to the flesh than the Spirit. Don't tell me you have, a tr- you have trouble breaking an addiction to pornography and you have a computer in a room all by itself and you have no accountability in your life and you have nothing set up on it that will let somebody else know what you're looking at. Hello? The Holy Spirit's like, I'm right here. I want to help you, but you aren't doing anything to help yourself. The Holy Spirit's not going to help you if you don't want to help yourself. Let's just go, Heather. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. People bound by all kinds of stuff. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do eatful, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free. To carry out your good intentions. What's that mean? You won't get it done on good intentions alone. You will have to yield to the Holy Spirit in your life. And you know what the Holy Spirit tells you? The Holy Spirit tells you, get rid of that. Cut that person off. Don't go there anymore. Don't buy that. Don't treat that person that way. Don't say that. And you know what else he does? He tells you what to do. He doesn't just tell you what to not do. He tells you what to do. He tells you how to respond. And he puts the fruit of the Spirit in you to do it. Well, I want to walk in love, but it's just hard. No, it's not. It's only hard for your flesh. It's easy for your spirit. You've just yielded or been more apt to to respond to one over the other. Well, I want to forgive, but it, it's just so difficult, Pastor. Right? It's just so difficult to get. You know. Okay. Who's it difficult for? That's the question. Who's it difficult for? It's not difficult for your spirit, man. Your spirit, man, on the inside is saying, dude, this is it, you got it. Man, right here, follow this. This, this is everything you want. You wanna forgive. You, you, you don't want bitterness. You don't want a grievance. You don't want a grudge. You don't wanna hold on to that. Let it go. Man, this is gonna kill you. It's gonna destroy you. You're only building a prison for yourself. You don't want any part of this. You're just drinking the poison. Come on, you wanna walk in love. You wanna be set free. But the flesh is saying, no. This is how they treated you. This is how you talk to them. This is what they said to you. This is what you say to them. Cut them off, re- get rid of them, and you, and then who are you yielding to? Whichever one you feed. So you got five friends around. Well, you know, let me tell you, if it was me, I would have said this to them. And the Holy Spirit's like, "Great, you're ganging up on me now. It's you plus your five friends that are all fleshly led too. It's six against one. That's not fair." No, the Holy Spirit's just quietly forgiveness, walk in love. The still, small voice, right? The still, small voice. That's how he speaks. I'm right here. When you're ready to get rid of all those other voices back there, I'm still here speaking the truth. I'm still here leading and guiding. But you got two opposing forces. Look how the Amplified reads this. Verse 16. The Amplified. But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, see, the Holy Spirit, it, it doesn't work if you only go to Him when you need Him. It won't work. Walk habitually, constantly, consistently, always in the Spirit. Walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek Him and be responsive to His guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively, without regard for God and His precepts. For the sinful nature has its desire, which is opposed to the Spirit, and the desire of the Spirit Opposes the sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature and the spirit, are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict. So that you, as believers, do not always do whatever good things you want to do. He says, You want to. You have the right intentions you want to live right you want to do the right thing you want to live holy but you find yourself giving in to the fleshly carnal desires no the Holy Spirit's right there to guide you leading you speaking to you you you, you usually don't have to tell someone that's missing it that they're missing it they know a believer because he's inside. Look, if, if the Holy Spirit's not telling you, he's not doing his job. If he's not leading and guiding you, he's not even fulfilling his purpose. But we know he does, right? But we know the Holy Spirit fulfills his purpose. The Holy Spirit does what he's supposed to do. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8 in the New King James. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. What's he saying? Don't walk contrary to your new nature. If you're in the light, don't walk in darkness. If you're in the spirit, don't operate out of your natural flesh. If you've been made new, don't walk in the old. If you've been brought into the kingdom of God, then don't walk in the kingdom of the enemy, kingdom of darkness. He's saying, walk according to your nature. It goes against your new nature to continue to live outside of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God will direct you and lead you to righteousness. He's leading you to good things. He's leading you to good decisions. He's leading you to empower your life, better your life, strengthen your life. The Holy Spirit. I, I would ask every person, if you're dealing with any kind of addiction, any kind, whether it's visible invisible whether it's to yourself uh, or, or it's or you know it's on the the plateau where where you know that's an identify whatever let me ask you are you letting the holy spirit help you quit i'm serious i mean it's probably my guess if you are are intentional about quitting or getting rid of or getting free from That you've taken some steps. That you've done something naturally. Maybe you take a medication for it. Maybe you've done something naturally. But let me ask, have you taken a spiritual step towards getting free? Because he can do it. He can do it. I've seen people delivered from nicotine like that. I've seen it happen. I've smelled it come out of their body. Literally, come right out of their body through their skin. I've been there. He's been here. He built this stage. He doesn't go to this church, but I was there the moment the Lord delivered him from a nicotine addiction, and he's never been back to it since. And I don't, I don't know his history, but I'm sure he tried a lot of natural recourses before he finally came down in a moment in a service where the anointing and the power of God. And look, we all want the quick fix. Oh, Holy Spirit, just take it. No, Holy Spirit doesn't take nothing. You give it to him. He had to come down as a yielded vessel and say, I'm letting it go. And sure, the day after, days after, Did he have to make some conscious decisions not to go back? Absolutely he did. I mean, I've I've heard testimonies and I've never desired it. Okay, a natural desire. Your flesh wants it. You're just telling me you have strengthened your spirit, man, so much so that your fleshly desire doesn't override your spirit's desire. That's what you're telling me because your flesh wants it. Your flesh wants everything that is not of God. Romans chapter eight clearly identifies the two are at odds and they will never be in alignment. They want nothing to do with each other. They want to be set free. They want their garbage. The flesh will always yearn for and go after the things that are not of God. They're directly opposed. But your spirit on the inside Once you are born of the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, He can help you break off those things that naturally you're struggling with. He sure can. He can do it. Verse 9 goes on to say, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable, To the Lord. Once you were in darkness, but the Holy Spirit, the first way that He guides the believer is into righteousness, into right living, into right standing. Righteousness is not a Christian, biblical, religious term. Righteousness means to be in right standing with the governing authority. That's literally what that means. Righteousness means I'm in right standing. And the Holy Spirit, who is also confirming now that you are a child of God, now lives inside you and says, let me point you the way to, to righteousness. Let me point you the way to holiness. Let me point you in the direction of what is of God. Let me point you in the way of who you are in Christ Jesus. And the old is gone and the new is come. Let me let me show you your new identity. Let me show you who you are now in Christ. Amen. So he guides you to righteousness. Number two. Number two, the Holy Spirit will be your guide. He will guide you in the scriptures. He will guide you in the scriptures. We know the Bible tells us that the the Word of God is not naturally discerned. Do you know you need the Holy Spirit's leading and the Holy Spirit's guiding to simply discern this book? The Holy Spirit does that. It is a grave mistake to read this without the Holy Spirit's assistance grave mistake come upon scholars and teachers and educators and theologians and philosophers they simply read this as another history book they see this, they, they, they read this as if it was curriculum for some class. But this is not just curriculum for class. This is the word of God. This is the constitution of the kingdom of God. This is your rights and your privileges and your benefits and your identity. The Bible tells us that this word is a mirror that I can see myself in it. It will show me who I am. This is God speaking to me. This is everything the kingdom is founded on. If one word in here is false, it could all be false. It's infallible. It's infallible. But to read that, to dive into that without the Holy Spirit's assistance, I'll go even a step further. To hear it, like I'm preaching to you right now, if you are not relying and depending on the Holy Spirit as I'm preaching, you're wasting your time. You are wasting your time. Because I can't even articulate in natural knowledge well enough. Almost said good enough. Well enough. All my English people are like, he got it right. I can't even articulate it in my own ability. For you to comprehend by the Spirit what God is saying. You know the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit moved upon these men, these authors. To pen and to write what is written in these scriptures. He put it there. So don't you think he will help you understand it? He would help you see it? John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we're talking about how does the Holy Spirit lead us? How can we be led by the Holy Spirit? John chapter 14, verse 25, reading out of the New King James, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. So he's, Jesus is saying, look, I've opened up things to you. I've even said things to you. How many times do you remember Jesus telling his disciples, uh, uh, you know, just getting upset with them because they couldn't understand or comprehend something? Because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus himself, the word made flesh and dwelling among, he was like, oh, you just, you need the Holy Spirit. You you, you don't get it. You, You won't get it. It's funny because you can go back in the book of Acts and you can find times where like Peter or one of the disciples said, oh, and now we remember why Jesus said this. Or now when Jesus, when when he said that, now this makes sense. We didn't understand it when he was just telling it to us. Why? They didn't have the Holy Spirit. Like you and I, have? he had not yet come, like Acts, Acts chapter two. But he says here, I've spoken to you things while being present with you, verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. And 3 John, of that. Even John in his, in his writings, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Even in his writings, he would say referring back to the words of Jesus. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's reminded. Man, I remember when I was with Jesus. I remember where we were. I remember sitting on the side of the, Gal- the, the, the Sea of Galilee. And I remember he was shearing sent, just came back to me. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to put that on paper. Now it makes sense. Now my eyes have been opened. Church. And thinking he was doing it in the name of God. Until Jesus shows up for the whole time. As and reveals. You've been working against what you thought you were working for the whole time. And he changed his mission right there. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the revelation power of the Holy Spirit. He'll open up the scriptures to you. With the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance. John chapter 15, verse 26. John 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds, the Holy Spirit isn't, he will testify of me. So now notice the Holy Spirit isn't just saying what he wants to say, to say. It's all in connection. Back up in Scripture. The Holy Spirit will never tell you something that you cannot back up in Scripture. Never will. Sometimes, I'm telling you right now, we're looking for a word. Oh, Lord, I need a new word. Oh, if I could just receive a word from God. Oh, and and revival to revival. People bounce from conference to conference and crusade to crusade and revival to revival, going all over the place, spending all kinds of money getting to get a word from. I just need someone. I need a prophet to speak into my, I need this and I need that. First off, the, the gift of the prophet is so misconstrued today. We don't even know what it looks like and how it's supposed to operate. I'm going to have to teach prophets running around all over the five-fold gifts of ministry. Because we got false prophets running around all over the place thinking they got words for people. When those people haven't even responded to the word of God and the situation they're in would easily be fixed if they would follow. And since you're so sensitive to the Holy Spirit, why don't you let them know, hey, you haven't responded to the last word. I don't have another word for you. And is right there, by His Spirit, saying, "I'm right here." The an outside voice will never be of higher priority than the Holy Spirit inside you already. Kenneth E. Hagin saw the Lord Jesus Christ eight times in his lifetime. And on the eighth visit, Jesus told him, this is the last time I'll ever visit you in this manner. Every time I've, I speak to you, this is use the inward witness of the Holy Spirit who's already dwelling within you. This is not how I speak to my people with visions and dreams and, 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 and booming voices and angels doing all. No, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And if you won't respond to that, what makes you think you're going to respond to a booming voice? What makes you think you're going to respond to some angel, angelic being sh- evangel up out of nowhere? What makes you think you're going to respond to the pastor, the preacher, the, the teacher, the evangelist, the apostle, the prophet? Oh, if they would just get the word, I, I know, I, God, I'll do I'll do whatever. You ain't doing nothing I'm telling you to do already. He will pour your God. I'm not saying God won't use those things. In fact, the Bible says that the, he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh and old men will dream dreams, and new men will will prophesy and have visions? Absolutely. But that is not the number one way we are to be led. Seeking visions and dreams and running after men of God. Go after the Spirit of God. Go after the Holy Spirit, and He can reveal this. He wants to open up the Scripture to you. He can open up the Scripture to you. He wants to open up the Scripture to you. He wants to help you. He wants to lead you. He wants to... He he doesn't want you to be confused. He doesn't want you to be confused. He wants you to see it. So quit rejecting the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you. Amen. Amen. It's good. Go to John chapter 16. I don't think I'd put this up there for the guys in the back, but verse 12. John chapter 16. Verse 12. I don't know why I didn't have this in there, but this is one of the most important ones. John 16, verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I've got much more about that. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. I've got much more I want to say. Much more I want to share. But you can't handle it. You can't bear it. See, if we don't learn to become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, there are things that God will not be able to reveal to us because we won't be able to handle it. I want to be able to handle all that God wants to reveal to me. I want to be, I don't want God saying, I'm trying to get it through, but I can't. I want to say, God, if there's something you're trying to show me, I want to see it. How Do I get to the point? How do I build the capacity to bear truth? To receive truth? He says in the next verse. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. See, if you, if he gave you the truth, you'd mess it up on your own. You need a guide. You need a guide. You need someone to show you around. You need someone to say, okay, back here, we're going down. I, nobody wants a guide that doesn't know where they're going, <laughs> right? Well, let's see what's around this corner. I've never been down here before. Hopefully it's nothing horrible. Hopefully we don't get stuck. Uh, why don't you go check it out? Come back and let me know. No, but the Holy Spirit, he searches the deep things of God, the Bible says. He knows the mind of God. He knows the end from the, he's already been there. See, there's things God wants to reveal to you about your future. You can't handle it. You need a guide. If he revealed that to you right now, you'd reject it. I'm case in point. If God would have revealed to me the path, Have you ever noticed God will show you the destination, but he won't give you the path all at once? He gives you the path one step at a time because you need a guide. Because if he showed you the path, no, that that ain't God. That's the devil. You would call things that were God the devil. If he would have showed me, uh, you know, what, um, you know, geez, 17 years ago now that my path to ministry was going to go through children's ministry. If he would have showed that to me in 2004, I would have stayed in Texas. I would have done my thing. I would have continued praying, God, show me, send me, direct me, lead me, guide me. And he said, well, I tried to show you, but you rejected it. I needed a guide. And so I was the, following the Holy Spirit one step at a time. Alright, which one? Okay, this one right here. We're going to go right here. That one over there? Okay. We're going to go step over here. Okay, that's a bigger step, but if you say, okay, I got it, following the Holy Spirit. You will take steps you never can take on your own if you follow the Holy Spirit. You'll take steps you would reject by following the Holy Spirit. So he says, I want to Show you things. Well, how does this apply to guiding us in the Scripture? Well, there's things that you might want to see in Scripture, but you can't handle it yet. You'll mess it all up. You'll butcher it. You'll revise it. You'll reduce it. You'll you'll drain it of all its power, and then you'll go and share it with other people, and you'll miss the mark. But the Holy Spirit, he'll reveal to you the Scripture. He'll he'll give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Man, i tell you what, pray those Ephesians prayers. Ephesians chapter 1, 13 through 20, 22, 23. Ephesians 3, 14 or 15 through 20, 21. 21 is exceedingly abundantly, right? Come on, you need to know this. I'm going there because you need to know it. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Write it down. Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. And Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Exceeding abundantly is 20. Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. And Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Pray those prayers every day before you read the word. Insert your name, make it personal, and see where your Bible study and your Bible reading is at in the next 90 days. And come back and tell me. Why? Because when you ask the Holy Spirit to be the revealer of truth and to open up the Scripture, guess what he's going to do? I mean, you guys are about to get a truth overflow. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. You can't bear it now because you need a guide. It's not because he doesn't want to show you. Uh, You can't handle it. It's not for you. No, it's for you. But you need a guide. For he will not speak on his own authority. What does that tell me? That if I read the scripture without the Holy Spirit, I will read it on my own authority. How many times have we done that? How many times have I put my spin on it? No, the Holy Spirit. He won't show it to you in his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He'll guide you into all truth. He'll lead you. He'll show you things to come, and he'll bring to remembrance what was said. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you. I want to see things to come. I want to see things to come. I want to see things before they happen and know that it's going to take place. He said he would do that. I'm not talking about being a prophet or seeing into the future. I'm talking about having a knowing on the inside. A knowing on the inside. That's what he's saying. The third way. The Holy Spirit guides us. He guides us into righteousness, guides us in the scriptures. The third way is he guides us in the will of the Father. He guides us in the will of the Father. That's probably one of the biggest questions that I get asked. How can I know the will of God for my life? How can I know the will of God for my life? Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And um, Josh, I need to go all the way out to um, verse 30, please, on that one. I think I cut you off at 21. I need to go all the way to 30. There's a lot here, but starting with verse 14, starting with verse 14 in the, uh, in the New Living, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Just an interesting note, look at verse 19. Jump down to verse 19. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Verse 19 says, And all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who His children really are. Now connect those two verses. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And all of creation is waiting for the children of God. All of creation is waiting for you and I to be led by the Spirit. You, you, you see the bigger picture now? It's not just about you anymore. The world is waiting for you and I to be led by the Holy Spirit. It says that the world is groaning. The world is having, like, as in birth pains. Is the world groaning right now? Is the world crying out right now? I mean, Texas froze over. If y'all didn't think we were near the end, there were negative temperatures in Texas. Never in my lifetime, and I, I, don't, I, don't, and I don't even know what the record was, but I heard it was record breaking. It broke everything else in that state. Might as well break the record too. Broke the electrical plants, broke the water treatment plants, broke the pipes, broke ceilings, broke drywall. It, bre- it messed up tons. I got pastors, I got friends, family that are still dealing with the repercussions today. Digging up concrete, pulling out old pipe and putting in new pipe because it just busted everything up. They weren't ready. See, you want to be ready when Jesus returns. I, I don't know about you, They did not have their lamps lit, the state of Texas. They weren't ready. They weren't ready. The earth is crying out. Well, just look at it. Verse 20, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. We need spirit-led believers. The earth needs spirit-led believers. But jump on down to uh, Romans 8. And uh, jump down. Uh, let's just, we'll just start with um, verse 22. We're already on it. Let's just talk about it. For we know that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering, we too wait. With eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. But while I'm in this body, it says the Holy Spirit helps in our weakness. What is my weakness? What is my weak spot? What is my blind spot? Where do I need assistance? Where do you need assistance? It's found in the very next sentence. For example, we don't know. We don't know. How does the Holy Spirit help you in your weakness? He helps you in what you don't yet know. I just don't know what the will of the Lord is. Yes, you do. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He's informing you. That's your weakness. The Holy Spirit comes alongside. He assists you. We don't know what God wants us to pray for. But just as we were saying earlier, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will, in alignment with His will. If you are not sensitive to and listening and following the guidance and the leading of the Holy Spirit in your everyday life, You are eliminating the ability to know the will of God in every single situation. But to the believer that learns to become sensitive to the Holy Spirit and follow the voice of the Holy Spirit, they will never be devoid of knowing God's will in any situation. Remember over in John 10 when Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. And he said, my sheep, they hear my voice and they follow, but the voice of a stranger they will not follow. You remember that? He said, they flee from the voice of the stranger. They want to run away. What does that mean? That means I have to perfect myself in hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. If I don't, I will become accustomed to listening to strangers and following strangers. Whichever voice I yield to, and respond to the most is the one that I'll become accustomed to following. Some of us are following strangers, and we don't even have to think about it. It's automatic. No, being led by the Spirit of God is practiced and perfected. And when you perfect it, He will show you things to come. He will reveal His will to you. He says that the Father knows all hearts and, he, and knows what the Spirit is saying for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. All because we became in tune with the voice of the Holy Spirit. Worship team if you'd come. He's leading. He's guiding. He's teaching. He's showing. He's revealing. Are we following? Are we responding? Are we yielding? we consecrated our, our, ourselves and our lives to him, to his leading. Man, the word of God is so powerful. The kingdom of God is so miraculous. But we have to be led and follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. Can we just take a moment? just quietly within yourself. Just consecrate your response to the Holy Spirit. You can close your eyes, you can stay seated, you can stand, you can lift your hands, whatever response you wanna give. Can we just take a moment, just you and God, just you and the Holy Spirit, I I would start with this. I'd say, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry for overriding. I'm I'm sorry for turning an ear. I'm sorry for not responding quickly. You shouldn't have to tell me twice. You shouldn't have to tell me three times, five times, ten times. Maybe right now you can recall a moment, an opportunity. He was trying to speak to you and you didn't respond. Maybe you're in a mess now because of it. Just tell him, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not giving value. Remaining attentive. He wants to lead you. He wants to help you. He wants to guide you. Just consecrate yourself. What's that mean? That means set apart for a chosen purpose. Just within yourself, just tell the Holy Spirit I will respond, I will obey. I will seek after your leading and your guiding. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you speak. Is it always audible? No, most likely not. You might live your whole lifetime and not hear an audible voice. It's called the inward witness. It's called the still small voice. On the inside, a knowing A discerning. He speaks. Simply, quietly, but clearly. He speaks. When the voice of the Spirit comes, it brings instruction, it might bring correction. He'll bring direction, and He also brings edification. That means encouragement. That means strengthening. You just ask, Him, Holy Spirit, instruct me, correct me, direct me, and edify me. I want all of it. Give Him permission. You have to let Him. You have to yield yourself to Him. And He'll do it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website